0: Hey, da ist der Music Time Machine, ich bin der Patrick Pleasure und äh, again this time, yes, we speak in English, the fucking Podcast, baby! Ja, also das Intro mache ich auf Schweizerdeutsch, uh, I'm gonna do the intro on uh, Schweizerdeutsch, yes, for all you boys and girls, English-speaking boys and girls out there. Also, herzlich willkommen, das ist Episode 76 Und bei mir ist ein, ein glatter Tag und zwar der Ahmed Bilge. Ich habe ehrlich gesagt seinen Nachnamen gar nicht äh, gefragt, wie man den ausspricht. I'm so sorry. Und zwar er ist ein Stand-up Comedian und er spricht nur Englisch. Woher er kommt, wo er aufgewachsen ist, erzählt er mir natürlich nachher. Ich bin selber auch natürlich ein Comedy Fan und darum habe ich ihn auch eingeladen. Ich habe ihn gesehen. Er ist der Veranstalter von der American Stand-Up-Show, die sie in der gaste machen. Und die wöchentliche Open-Mic-Show im Kontiki. Und er ist ein rechter Riese, was das angeht. Und er bringt die ganze Stand-Up-Welle er ein bisschen voran in der Schweiz, dass da etwas geht und dass sich äh, zukünftige Stand-Up-Comedians können etablieren und und ihres, und ihres Material üben. Und über das reden wir ein bisschen. Ja, yeah, so le- let's go to the conversation mit dem Ahmed. Und danke fürs Hören. Subscribe am Podcast auf Spotify. Schreibt mir ein Review auf Apple Podcast. Gebt mir 5 Sternchen. Danke fürs Hören. Äh, bis zum nächsten Mal, gell? Bye awesome. bye. Come on, get in, the
1: music time yeah, with Patrick
0: Pleasure. Come on, get in, the music time yeah. Listen up now. In, with Patrick in, So, microphone check. Check 1 2. Cimodoro. perfect so let me take a picture of you too nice <laughs> okay so nice um nice for you to visit the pleasure cave welcome it's the pleasure cave yeah because my name is patrick Plagell ah as a DJ. <laughs> okay okay i was a bit worried that's like yep. some um Kind of like a serial killer thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is my pleasure but dungeon. <laughs> you don't have to worry until I pack out the, the plastic and stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, if
1: you start opening plastic over no, here, I should get worried.
0: <laughs> yeah, all good. So, how are you? All good in the hood. Very good. Thank you very much for inviting me, Patrick. Yeah, no problem. I I discovered you at a show. A friend of mine invited me to the Stall 6 yes, show.
1: Where we do, that's where we do the American stand-up show.
0: Yep. It was very fun.
1: Oh, nice. Do you remember when you came?
0: When das that? It was cold.
1: This past winter probably. I think yeah. so. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah was, it was fun.
1: Was it your first time
0: um, seeing comedy in, uh, in no. Zurich? No, no, no. I went a couple of times to Zukunft. Yeah. And yeah, the Stahlsechs show. Yeah. And uh, I, I went to some improv shows. Oh yeah, of course, something like that. Yeah. And yeah, because I'm I'm not, uh, unfortunately, I'm not the kind of guy who goes out every time and th- every day. So because I'm out all the time, I'd yeah. like to stay home.
1: It's exactly the same for me. Yeah. Like everybody thinks uh, because I host the shows yeah. that I'm out partying every night. And, you know, for people as well, I mean, you probably experienced this in your line of work as well. For them, it's a big thing. They come out on a weekend. Mm -hmm. This is their party time, you know, whether it's an actual party or a comedy show or whatever. And, uh, you know, especially in comedy, they want to meet the comedian. They want to talk to them because they feel like they have this one-way relationship where they know, you know, the comedians. But, uh, it, I mean, it's kind of embarrassing sometimes, too. This happens a lot where I do, um, at the beginning of my shows, I always do crowd work. I yeah. talk to the audience. Right. And that's a great part of the show because it's spontaneous. Mm-hmm. And uh, you actually get to meet very interesting people. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, this was a month ago, maybe, at a show. Uh, I asked this couple like, who they were, where they're from. And I asked the lady, like what do you do, what's your job? And she said she was a, a professional cuddler. A cuddler, like cuddling professionally.
0: Oh, what, really? Yes, she was. That's from, a thing.
1: Yeah, that's from. That's the thing. She was from Finland, and <laughs> she has a business there where she cuddles people, okay. and uh, platonically, she said okay. very clearly. And <laughs> uh, you, you always meet. I mean, just last Saturday, I met some. Uh, there was a couple, and I asked, "How would you two meet?" And they said they met at a spanking workshop. Oh, good. They were from Berlin, so it kind of made (laughs) sense. (laughs) But yeah, you always get to meet these very interesting people.
0: I mean, to be fair, like 80% of them are bankers and Mm -hmm. IT people. Uh The show that I was there, there was a whole group of like brain surgeon girls. Yes,
1: I remember that. Actually, I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's always somebody interesting. Anyway, but... um, they obviously they feel like they know you, but for me, you know, you see people, crowds mm-hmm. all the time. You mm-hmm. know, three to five times a week, and uh, you can't remember everybody's name. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time, what happens is they I ask somebody, "Hey, uh, what's your name? What do you do?" And they're like, "You talked to me uh, last week."
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I uh, know uh, they should understand that, but they often don't.
1: I mean, it's difficult for them. They come, you know, there's people who come every, I understand everybody doesn't like comedy as much as I, you know what I mean? They come uh, every month once or once every three months, but they remember you. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's always very nice. You know, people are cool and uh, they enjoy it. But um, where are you from originally? So I'm originally Turkish, mm-hmm. but uh, I grew up in America, in Merhaba Austin, Arkadaş. Texas. Merhaba, Arkadaş. Kardeşim. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Not bad. Yep. You, you do live in Erlikon after all, that's so it's yeah, a second language yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> Arkadaş all over the place. Arkadaş all over the place. Um, yeah, so I grew up, so basically first 10 years of my life was in America, in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Next 10 years was in Istanbul. And then the last ten years I've been here in Zurich.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah. So you you you're born in America?
1: Uh, no, I, I was actually born in Turkey. We moved very. like ah, okay. My first memories are of uh, America.
0: But you have the American passport? No, I don't. Oh, no, you don't. I
1: wasn't born there. no.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. but you couldn't apply for for that one when I you mean, were a kid. Um, my parents could have. Yeah, but uh, they didn't.
1: They were yeah, they didn't. They uh-huh. were there for like you know back then. They were my age, younger than me when they moved to America, and they were there for studies and so on. And after they were finished, um, my parents felt this almost patriotic kind of need of Mm -hmm. like, you know, we came here to learn stuff, to help our country. So they could have gotten a green card. They had jobs and everything, but they said no, we should go back to Turkey uh-huh. and help our country and they immediately regretted that.
0: <laughs> okay. Oh damn. Yeah. So if that didn't happen, you you would have been become a comedian in the states. Maybe. Maybe no? who knows, yeah. you know? I'm happy how I, how I landed here. Yeah. I uh, I'm really happy with how comedy is working out here in Switzerland. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad too because Um, it's happening not so much in comedy until the last three, four years now. And I'm glad guys like you are doing something here for everybody. Yeah,
1: sure. Thank you. I mean, no, it is very nice. We started doing comedy here, yeah, four years ago, Mm -hmm. exactly almost. And, you know, our first gigs were, we would do it once a month.
0: Mm -hmm. And,
1: uh, and it was very low key. It was very, like, we had uh, a couple of beer crates we would stand on. It was very uh, small. <laughs> okay. But now today we've come to a point where I do regular shows every Tuesday and Thursday, every week. And then so many other shows. And I tour around Switzerland, kind of like you, in German-speaking Switzerland. Mm-hmm. I go to, you know, Basel, Baden, Luzern, Zug. Yeah. And uh, it's always in English, too, and that's why we're also lucky. I mean, Switzerland is very cool in that sense of, of there's a lot of turnover of new people coming to study or to work mm-hmm. and in general, they're international people. Yeah. And um, it's a little bit of a community for them, too, you know, mm-hmm. so that's that's also very nice.
0: You yeah, know, everybody understands English. Yeah, it's you're true. like everybody, everybody in the city. But when you go out in, in the country, it's uh, it's getting difficult. Of to course. To of talk. course, definitely. Um, uh, yeah, but here in Zurich, almost everybody understands uh, English. And
1: we we get a lot of Swiss people, too. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, in general, you'd think these nights are mainly for expats. Yeah. And that's in the... Generally, that's what's true. But um, we get a lot of Swiss people. Every night, it's 30 to 40% of the crowd.
0: Yeah. That's uh, cool. But where did you get... Uh, the international comedians from uh, English speaking oh or? yeah so you're talking about when I do my uh,
1: tour shows with yep. the American stand-up show I always have a headliner on mm-hmm. each show and yeah there are always people from outside of Switzerland who okay, are traveling t- through oh, all right. a lot of them I just get through my comedy contacts because I also tour around in Europe like before the mm-hmm. COVID stuff I would tour around a lot of places and you know most people think, and this is just uh, in general, what's true is that there is uh, you know there's the American scene and then there's the British scene, and those are the main comedy scenes mm-hmm. in the world. But over the past, I would say even ten years uh, with the internet podcasting as yeah. well, uh, people are figuring out, well, we can do English comedy everywhere in Europe mm-hmm. because most people do understand English. So there's this new there's this new uh, type of comedian, uh, in these non-English speaking places like you know like Berlin there's a big big uh, scene there in Paris in Austria and there's a lot of comedians European comedians who are from everywhere like Romanian people Russians mm-hmm. they all do it in English and it's
0: interesting
1: yeah eh? Europe is becoming you know how in America it's such a giant country American comedians you can be in LA or New York but then you go on tour throughout the whole yeah. of America so that's kind of what it's turning into a little bit in its own way in Europe, where you can, obviously, without COVID and stuff, I can do you know a 20-day tour if I want mm-hmm. in, you wouldn't believe it, but in Mannheim in Germany, yeah. or in, in Stuttgart, Karlsruhe, there are so many English speakers in all these cities. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it feels definitely great as well to go to these kind of places. Like I go to Strasbourg a lot and Freiburg in Germany. And it's great because they don't have comedy. They barely have comedy in their own language there. But there's always English speakers in all these cities. And uh, it makes you feel like you're doing something uh, not important. It's not important, but uh, essential a little bit. Not essential like COVID essential. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah, but making people laugh is is, uh, essential and very important. Yes, yes. Especially... In times like these, although... <laughs> exactly, exactly.
1: People, uh, people. I mean, I need the audience, mm-hmm. but after a while, you figure out the audience needs uh, needs comedy too. They need laughter, and it's a, it's a. There's a demand for it, you yeah. know. So that always feels nice when you can go somewhere where you can tell, oh, these people haven't seen much comedy. They haven't had these kinds of events, and it's always an interesting. Uh, Explosion of emotions in a funny way because yep. for a lot of these people who are expats, they spend most of their daily lives in a place where they can't speak their main language. So if even if it's German, French, whatever, uh, they kind of walk around with that uh, language mask on, right? Mm-hmm. If it's Swiss German, if it's if it's French, so when they come to a place where they can speak their native language. Or something that everybody can speak together. Yeah. They feel comfortable. Huh? Yeah, the masks drop, yeah. and it's kind of a—it's an interesting bonding experience,
0: mm. definitely. Yeah. How long are—are are you doing comedy now?
1: So I started when I first moved uh, to Europe to Switzerland in 2010. Mm-hmm. That's when I first tried it. Okay. And then I, of course, back then I had different plans. I didn't know what was going to happen. I never. I never thought it was even a possibility yeah. to do something like this, you know and um and then fast forward now. so basically, I did a lot of free shows, you know, gaining experience for up to five, six years, and I took breaks in between uh, but then there came a point where I started to do it very regularly a lot and um and I made that jump. I made that leap into saying, okay, this is what I'm. Gonna do all the time. And now you can make a living from from comedy. Sure. How you define no? a living? Yeah. Of course, is <laughs> no. Uh, yes, it's it's not bad at all. I can I can especially here in Switzerland. I feel grateful really mm-hmm. because uh, I know a lot of my uh, comedian friends from different countries, and uh, of course, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of stress too. Not knowing where your paycheck is coming from, but it's also a lot of freedom. It's a lot of freedom, and uh, it's also definitely my passion. And I feel like most people in life,
0: they never get to even find out what their passion is. Yeah, that's true. And most of all, I think for a comedian, you have to do it a long time before you get any good,
1: right? Definitely true. I mean, most professional comedians, uh, when you hear them talk, a lot of them say it takes 10 years Mm -hmm. of working as a comedian, to find out your voice and become really good at it. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely true, because I know, um, I'd say I've been doing this very intensely and professionally for the past four years, and it's been a very different world. You know, it's uh, it's definitely taking off. So it needs a lot of work, it's a painful process, uh, but if you stick through and try your hardest, um, you'll end up homeless. No, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. It's a lot of work for yeah. sure.
0: Yeah, I guess so. How how's the how's the Swiss how's the Swiss crowd um, compared to other to other countries? I, I think it's uh, my, my guess it's it's pretty hard to make a crowd comfortable and and laughing in Switzerland, no?
1: Definitely a little bit. I mean, I can compare it like so I've been to all these other places. Um, let's say, let's take Berlin, for example, mm-hmm. um, I find those crowds easier. Mm-hmm. For example, if I go to Paris or I go to Berlin or these other places, they're generally a bit easier. Maybe Austria is similar to ours, our scene a little bit. But uh, many times in Berlin, I mean, I've seen it many, very often where um, it's easier to make 20 year old australian girls who came to berlin to like oh i'm gonna you know discover mm-hmm. myself and go to art school of course they're easier to make laugh they have no you know they don't have any pain in life they don't have much consequence yeah. it's fun you know, everything is fun but uh, my general demographic here in switzerland is young working professionals mm-hmm. so a lot of my crowd is it's older first of all so most of my crowd is over 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, compared to these other scenes, it's much younger there. So I think that brings with it a certain element where... um, And I love that, by the way. I love that my crowd is older Mm -hmm. because they're not going to laugh at certain things. They're not going to laugh if you just mention a fart or, you know, you see people in other scenes where they go like a comic goes on stage and goes, yeah, we went to the club and I did cocaine and we did ecstasy and I threw up on my friend's (laughs) shoes, which is a little funny, but... (laughs) But they do that stuff and that gets a great reaction. Mm-hmm. But then some of those people come here or you know somewhere else where it's a, a bit of an older crowd. And the older crowd is like, yeah, you did drugs. Who cares? Yeah. You know? You have to be smarter with the jokes. Of course. That. They want cleverness. Mm-hmm. They want yeah, they, they want a certain experience, which makes you a better comedian. And that's why
0: I love doing comedy mm-hmm. in Switzerland. Yeah. But I think the most successful Comedians, or maybe not comedians, may, more yes in Switzerland, are the clown types. You know, yes, like they they dress up funny and make funny voices and <laughs> and stuff like that, and the, <laughs> the people go nuts, oder? Yeah. And for me, <laughs> as a as a real comedy fan, and uh, I. Uh, I st- I I watch it for years and years and years, and when I see a clown like that on stage in Switzerland who, who who comes out and and do a, and do the fall and and <laughs> puts his trousers <laughs> up his nipples and say oh and when I was a little boy here in Switzerland, I I think that's not f- not not funny.
1: I know what you mean. Was for me, for me neither. I mean that's a very like that is a old timey. old school. Yeah, yeah, it's very old school, which isn't that crazy because switzerland doesn't have a crazy history of stand-up comedy a no, culture no, yeah
0: not that not at all not, not at all we, we're just beginning
1: it's true and the swiss german comedians are the same where they are also starting to do it uh, in a in that new school sort of way where it's it is just stand-up and sometimes there's no skits or mm-hmm. costumes yeah. or any of that stuff and none of that clowniness they're definitely evolving beyond that, too. Uh,
0: yeah, I think Switzerland is like almost 50 years behind from, <laughs> from America, no? I mean... Because they started uh, all, the, all the funny costumes and stuff were, was in the 60s. Yeah. And in the 70s, they began to really do stand-up, just one microphone and tell stories. Sure. I mean, this
1: is so this is kind of interesting about the culture and history of stand-up comedy. So there's two distinct kind of this is what I've heard. So obviously there's the British kind of culture and there's the American culture. Now the British culture comes from this idea of a gentleman's club where men would go to this club and hang out with other men and you drink and you socialize. And what they would do there is they would have this big blackboard mm-hmm. and on with chalk. A lot of these jokes would be written there and the idea back then this is how it started they say is that somebody in the group would go up and do one of the jokes on the blackboard and then cross it off and then somebody else would come and do it right so that's that's how it started there in these gentlemen's clubs whereas in america it started in a very different type of gentleman's club a a strip club Mm -hmm. that's where the american comedy that's where its roots are it's from strip clubs where you know Women go up, and then the comedians are supposed to be there in between, hosting the night, cracking a couple of jokes, mm-hmm. keeping it active, you know? So that's where the American kind of culture goes back to. Um, and you can still see that today in both of the styles of comedy, in both American and, and, and British culture. British uh, comedy is, in general, it's more witty, it's a bit more dry, mm-hmm. it's a bit more subtle, whereas American comedy is in your face, visceral Mm -hmm. emotions dirtiness ugliness everything is out there and that's you know obviously that's why i uh you know my show is called the american stand-up show i'm not american myself even though i grew up there but that's the comedy i grew up loving Mm -hmm. is that sort of late night dirty comedy where you hear a comedian say stuff you would never imagine a human saying you know who are your heroes Uh, My my comedy idols, Uh, people. I mean, there's so many. I see you have uh, Larry David and Mm. Jerry Seinfeld up here. I love them. That's how I got. Jerry Seinfeld was one of the first comedians I ever saw together with Eddie Murphy. And it was just audio. You know, I just, it was when I was a kid and uh, you know Lime Wire and stuff was there I remember I downloaded their albums and just listened to the audio of it mm-hmm. and I was you know blown away like Eddie Murphy as well back then it yeah. was so, I was like wow how dirty is how crazy is yeah. this And ice cream man. And the ice cream. I mean everything. (laughs) Of course, you look back now. Sensibilities have changed. Yeah, yeah. Many people say like that stuff was homophobic and everything, and some of it was. Yeah, but it was funny, of course. And in general, all of his stuff was Mm -hmm. very funny, and yeah. Anyway, so Larry David as well. I I've always loved Larry David. He's a very he's a comedic genius. You know, he's incredibly smart, incredibly witty. And they're both, in general, quite clean comedians. Yep. And I like all comedy. Mm-hmm. I like clean comedy as well. I love clean comedy. But, I mean, believe me, I like really dirty, offensive mm-hmm. comedians too. So, definitely Seinfeld, Larry David, uh, Eddie Murphy definitely. And then, you know, Bill Burr mm-hmm. and Louis C.K., of course. You know, despite everything, just his comedy, let's say. And... uh yeah, so those were the people I kind of grew up really listening to, and uh, at the beginning, especially trying to emulate in one way or yeah. another.
0: Yeah, but I think you have to, in a way, when you start, you don't have your own voice, so you have to uh, to try something, to take something from from everybody a little bit. No, of course, of course, um, and so, and
1: in general, I have never like gone up on stage saying, okay, this is a joke I heard somewhere, I'm gonna do it. But it's more like you do it and then you listen back to it and you go, oh, that reminds me. That sounds like I'm trying to be this person or that person. Or sometimes the dynamic of a joke is very similar too. I'll give you an example. Uh, Louis has this joke, for example. About how uh, the morning of 9-11 he woke up in a hotel room somewhere, he doesn't know what's happening. And his wife calls him up and he and and his wife is like, Where are you right now? And he's already a little stressed out. He's like, Oh my god. Like he's like, Did you find a phone sex bill? What the fuck? And like she's like, Turn on the TV, and he turns on the TV and it's the tower's on fire. Mm-hmm. And he goes, like, on the inside, it was a little bit like Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Thank God for that. You know, like so that's one of his jokes. And then one day I st- I noticed uh, I was doing a joke. I don't do this anymore for years now. But I was doing a joke about when I was a kid, and. I would, there was always tension with my mom at home my mom's a single mom so like sometimes she would yell my name out from the other room and go like oh, ahmed and i would be like oh my god she <laughs> find she found cigarettes she found something and then i walk in and like she's watching news and she's like oh did you see this like yeah. uh, 2000 people died in china and i go oh, thank god it's not me yeah. oh my god i'm not in trouble so like when you look at those two jokes they're not at all the similar not, not at all similar mm-hmm. you know they're completely different things uh, but after a while I saw, oh, these two jokes have something in similar. I'm in an unconscious, like subconscious kind of way, maybe emulating that yep. joke or something like that. Um, so you always try to weed that out and that's that's also why it's a very painful process mm-hmm. to come up with. I mean, for every any artist, any creative person, mm-hmm. there's always a little bit of pain involved with coming up with a piece of art or, or anything you create. Yeah,
0: and definitely you have to, to chuck it, or delete it. It's, yeah, kill it's your babies, video.
1: they call it, yeah. right? You have to kill how, your babies. How many
0: minutes uh, can you do now? Or is your... You I,
1: so in September, I'm p- planning to do a solo show mm-hmm. and I'm going to do 90 minutes, Oh wow, 90 minutes. But I I'll always like to talk to the audience as well. So a little bit of that is that okay. as well. But yeah, material wise, I've done an hour before uh just before the lockdown, I was in the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. and I did a few gigs there and there I always did forty five to an hour, just depending on how the the okay. crowd was and um
0: yeah, so but obviously, like this is but those what, are the the forty five to an hour these minutes have accumulated from the last ten
1: years all my life, yeah, all my life of doing comedy because yeah. what happens as well is you come up with the jokes. You think they're great right? and you think they're good and they work and then you continue working on more and more. Mm-hmm. And by the time you reach, let's say, the end of that 45 and you look at the first 10 minutes you came up with, you're like, you're oh, this is not good. I don't think this is good anymore. Okay. Like I've changed too yeah. much in that time. Yeah. So it's it's always a refining process of do it again, make it better, make it almost timeless so you can do it regardless of whenever <laughs> mm-hmm. and be comfortable doing yeah. it. Uh, So it's a lot of that and just the process of coming up with new jokes is always painful because, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously you write down stuff. Mm -hmm. You write as much as you can, whatever you think is funny and then you do it on stage. That's how you know if anything is good or not, Mm -hmm. you know. And uh, and most of the time, you know, you throw away 70% of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I go, let's say tomorrow night I'm going to go up with brand new 10 minutes of material. If I can take two, three minutes out of that, That is amazing. I'm so happy that that's two, three minutes I can take. And then polish, shorten, make it quicker and faster and better. Mm -hmm. And that's the goal. And then at one point you go, okay, this works every time. This is as quick as it can be. There's a little tip from Pro Comics. They say uh, you should make the crowd laugh every six to ten seconds. Which is, I mean, when you look at your stuff like that, a lot of times you're just telling the beginning of the story and that's already 20 seconds. (laughs) So you always realize, okay, this needs to be a joke to a joke to a joke. Even if it's a little laugh, it has to go quickly and it's building up to that. So I have some jokes now that do get laughs every, you know, six to 10 Mm -hmm. seconds. Uh, But,
0: uh, you write everything
1: out. At the beginning. Yes. At the beginning, I'll write everything out. So what I have is I just have a notes thing on my phone. Yeah. And I don't know, I'm a bit different than how other people come up with material. Most people just sit down and write like a diary almost. Mm -hmm. And they go and try, they cut out certain parts and go, okay, this could be something. And they try it and do it, edit it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to, I do it both ways. So once in a while, I will sit down and force myself to write. But then a lot of the time, and for me, these are the best jokes. There's something different about it that's hard to explain. It's the stuff that when my mind is wandering, I'm on the train, I'm walking somewhere, whatever, or something happens really to me. And then I go, oh, maybe that's funny. I'll write it down two seconds on my phone. And then you know, five days later, I'll look, what have I written down this week? And then I'll look at that stuff. And so that stuff is like whatever happens in the moment an idea comes to you, or you say something in conversation to somebody that's funny, and you go, hey, maybe I could try that. And it's stuff that really happened to me. Those ones for me are always the best kind of jokes
0: yeah, where the, you can live it. Uh,
1: yes, yeah. the audience there's a there's a weird like sixth sense thing in the audience. They can tell it's real if okay. you know it's real. Yeah. They can tell from your vibe. Yeah. They don't know. I've told many stories that were completely untrue. Mm-hmm. And uh, it can work, of course, and every comedian has their own way, but for myself, I found stuff that actually happens or I've actually said, or my mind wanders and thinks about, those things have a different vibe to them. Mm-hmm. And they're much more better for performing. And yeah, there's a different aura about it. It's yeah. very hard to explain, but that's that's mainly how I come up with jokes is, yeah, notes file on my phone. I'll write some stuff down before doing it for the very first time, just to know more or less where I'm going. But then, when I'm on stage and I have this one idea, I will try that idea as much as I can. Okay. And this is a thing I've, I didn't always do. But if I have an idea, whatever, um, uh, you know. Uh, let's say you have a a picture here of Michael Jackson in in like a, uh, what is that? A French kind of uniform thing there, right? like If that's my joke, you know, uh, Michael Jackson was a French soldier. (laughs) (laughs) If that's the content of my joke, I'm just making it up now. I'll go on stage with that idea and I'll know certain points, but then I will in the moment push that idea and try to come up with something else Mm -hmm. just to see if there's one of those ideas they maybe laugh more at. So whatever the idea is, if it's uh, I hate my uh, father-in-law, if that's my joke, I'll go through five different ways of explaining how I hate him, or what happened, or this thing, and then this thing might happen. And then sometimes some things pop up there. I think that's a great way to do it. Um, A lot of ideas pop up there organically when Mm -hmm. you're talking and you have the people in front of you. There's some pressure and you really want to get this idea across. You just try it from every angle, yeah. push here, pull here,
0: push here. And sometimes something happens. Sometimes you just say, okay, that one didn't work yeah. and you move on. <laughs> and you always record your sets to, to listen to them after? Yeah. Huh? Uh, I do it in an obsessive way. Oh, really? Actually, I heard a... Um,
1: there's this comedian called Judah Friedlander. I don't know yeah, if you yeah. know him. You know sure, him? yeah. I, I, he actually came to Zurich to do my show two years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. We did a show with him in, in Zurich in um, at a theater. Yeah. And uh, he was, of course, incredibly funny. And this it, this was right after his Netflix special. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, but he had a thing about recording your sets. He's like, yes, I, um, I always record each and every one of my sets, and I l- never listen to any of them. <laughs> okay. And that's i listen a lot of course but that's how i feel about it where i never want to miss a single second on stage just in case Mm -hmm. because you never know because i've had that moment too where i'm like "Ah, forget like i'm in a rush i'm not going to record this one and then you go up and you say something a certain way you do that same joke in a different way and that will drive you crazy you'll be like how did i say it that night that it worked Mm -hmm. what was the different inflection what word did i use that actually worked and it's these details. And that's what's, you know beautiful and at the same time maddening mm-hmm. about comedy is that um every night you do it and it's done forever, and you get to do it again and again. And those people don't know anything else that happened before. Mm-hmm. Only you do. So you can try a joke and it works five times in a row. And then you go somewhere else the sixth time, and it won't work. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, you know, a little bit of the pain starts as well. You go, okay, what did I do here different? And you look back at that stuff, you look back at that set, you go, was I not engaged enough? Did I have wrong timing? Mm-hmm. Was there an audible issue? And then you try it again until it works again, or it doesn't and you throw it away. Mm-hmm. And it, it's that process repeated forever. And... Um, it's it's also what you get addicted to mm-hmm. is that is that make process it perfect, yeah. yeah make it perfect make it work and when it does work Keep. that feeling is amazing yeah. because then you have this joke you can pull out of your pants mm-hmm. of your not your pants yeah. <laughs> you can pull out of your back anytime you want and you know it will work mm-hmm. and uh, that's an amazing feeling of course and that's 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 the real fun of it yeah
0: yeah, yeah when you when you hear to uh, when you hear a special from the Seinfeld, for yes. example, he's a, he's like a, a professor or a doctor who just—it's every time the same, the same enunciation. Everything is like in place, and that's the yeah. You know, this is the crazy thing about it. I think when you have a, the perfect joke, I think it's almost like a like a song. Yes. It yes. works the same like like a song. 100%. How you, how you sing it, you... There's a melody to you it. You perform it, you know.
1: And, uh, I mean, another thing like that is when you do a joke for the first time, there's a certain energy you'll come with it because it's first, you don't know if it's going to work or not. There's a certain excitement. Mm-hmm. And, um, but let's say it works and you do that joke 10 times, 20 times, 30 times. I have jokes, seriously, I might have done 50 times. Mm-hmm. And... The real trick there is once you do it a certain amount of times, after the fourth or fifth time, you lose a little bit of that essence because it becomes routine. And in your mind, it just becomes a series of words. My mind doesn't even have to be there. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm just there reciting the words and I know the melody goes the huh, like it's yeah, just yeah. that. But honestly, there's been many times where I'm on stage and I'm getting better at this. So many times I'm on stage where I'm like, I am in front of people. Everybody's listening to me. My mind is completely somewhere else. I'm on some weird sort of autopilot or something. And you learn how to recapture that essence. And once you find out a joke is funny and you know the points that are funny about it, Mm and you've done it too many times in a row, sometimes it'll start not to work now. And you're like, what the fuck? I've done this millions of times. What is?" And you realize it's because you've lost the energy of you've forgotten what's funny about it to begin with. And in those cases, what I do is, uh, I'll explain it from a different way. So uh, yeah, if if it's I hate my father-in-law, for example, whatever, and I do that joke, and I'm getting old with it, then I'll be like, okay, I'm gonna tell the same joke but with no planning, I'm not going to use the same words I always use. I'm just going to explain what's funny about mm. it all over again, yep. and that will generally spark uh. something else. Okay. So, so yeah, that's how it works with repeating material. But yes, you're right. Somebody like Seinfeld and most comedians, they master this art of making it seem like it's the first yep. time they said it. Yep. Yeah, that's that's really worth. Yeah, that's at. a
0: crazy thing. Also about uh, Bill Burr. Yes, I, I saw him live in Munich oh really last year or two years ago i don't know yeah he's you know every time it's it's so fresh and so aggressive fresh you mean he's he's rambling in the moment yeah but it's it's like this the bit it's it's like that every time yeah i
1: i actually almost got billboard to come to what switzerland yeah yeah um this was yeah one two years ago yeah And uh, I I couldn't manage at the end because, uh, you know, obviously he's a Bill Burr and he's going everywhere. Everybody wants him. So his agency takes over everything. Mm -hmm. So they go, you know, where should we go? And it basically comes down to money because then they ask you for Bill Burr. What happened was they asked me like, uh, okay, we need a guarantee and we need half of it now to sign the contract. And then the other half you'll send us before he gets on a plane to come. (laughs) Okay. And this is not like a couple of thousand. It's <laughs> yeah. six figures, yeah. right? So they need a hundred twenty thousand or something, mm-hmm. just to bring them here. Yeah. Now I might have still done it because I'm. I seriously <laughs> I considered getting like a mortgage or something, yeah. <laughs> getting a bank credit because I knew it was it yeah. would definitely sell out and
0: be. You should get some money now from the COVID, uh, the COVID uh, credits. Oh, the COVID yeah. credits actually maybe yeah. that's not that bad. That's not a bad. Get idea. some money for, <laughs> for Yeah, and um, I
1: mean, I was lucky when I brought Louis CK, mm-hmm. so that was a, that was you,
0: yeah, in, in Basel. Yes, yeah. in
1: Basel, that last November. Uh-huh. Uh, that one I was, you know, lucky obviously yeah. because he didn't ask for a guarantee mm-hmm. because, you know, he didn't have an agent anymore. <laughs> yeah, of
0: course, and he, you yeah, know, he likes to work.
1: Yeah, and he, he likes he to takes work. Takes every
0: chance to to work now. and
1: people want to come and see him. Yeah. and um, so I was quite lucky with that one. How was
0: he? I mean, it was amazing.
1: Like words, when you see somebody live like that as well. I mean, it's one thing to see somebody on tape. And he's already incredibly funny there, but to see him live, it was, I will say this about that show, it was very extraordinary, not just his performance, Mm -hmm. but the whole tension of the evening, the audience, there was many moments in the night where it was almost an explosion. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a normal show. There was, you know, a part in his act where he addresses a bit the sexual misconduct stuff, Mm Yeah. there was a couple moments like that and the crowd it was an explosion of yeah obviously he made some jokes about it too it's his comedy act um and there was many moments when people uh you know people lost it it was <laughs> it was very intense what I thought was like, very like intense. lost it from um, a positive laughing? way positive okay, way yeah. definitely laughing um and also they just couldn't believe he's finally he's talking yep. about this thing and even when he just got on stage, there was a certain explosion, of course, and I'd never seen it. I'd never seen uh, an act of that caliber live, let alone at my show. And what I took away from his performance as well was his, beyond his jokes and how funny they were, of course, amazing. But his stage presence was incredibly interesting. Mm -hmm. All of the comedians noticed it. It was a 2,000-seater room Which is, for him, relatively small, you know? Like, he does big places. A lot of these comedians do. But he made that 2,000-person theater. It was so casual. It felt like he was next to you with an arm around you Mm -hmm. or something. Like, it was very... He made it very intimate somehow. And he was just this presence of him walking around. And it was very interesting. So, yeah, that one was...
0: don't, it didn't jerk off on stage, huh? when it's so intimate.
1: Of course, the, uh, it w- yeah, that intimate wouldn't but have the, been good. <laughs> did you did you open for him? Uh, no, because no? this time he brought, I mean, it could have been a possibility, but this time he brought three, in their own right, legendary mm-hmm. comedians from America. They're not as okay. mainstream famous, but um, Lynn Koplitz, she had her own Netflix special. And Keith Robinson, he's like... Literally, I knew him from before. He's a legend in the New York comedy scene. And um, uh, Greg Hain as well. He was incredibly funny. So so he brought all of these people there. And I understood for him as well. Actually, he made a joke about it in the beginning. So this is kind of funny. So at the very beginning, it was very stressful for me. I've never organized a yeah. show that large. And we come to the point where you know I'm doing it with a partner of mine. And then he went like, okay, let's start the show. And I realized at that moment, I'm like, I, I've, I, I don't know how to start. what what am I supposed to do? How do we start? I never considered that moment. And then just when he said that, somebody came on through the PA system of the whole thing. And it was a uh, it was a guy with that with this like weird voice. It was going like everybody welcome to Louis C.K. Central Basel, disgraced comedian Louis C.K. <laughs> and then and then just starting saying weird stuff like uh, you know uh, next week uh, Madonna will be here um, but she's dead, <laughs> <laughs> just like all this. And I was so, like, you know, stressed, naive, and everything. As soon as he, uh, the voice said, like, disgraced comedian, Louis C.K., I turned to my partner, guy. I was like, oh, my God, who has the fucking mic yeah. right now? Because in my mind, I'm like, somebody got a hold of the mic. It was going to ruin the evening. And he just looked at me, and he's like, who do you think it is? Yeah. And it was him, of course, doing this <laughs> stupid character from backstage. And there he also set up the night. He said, you know, this was going to happen. And he said, you know, I brought these amazing comedians with me. And they were very, you know, expensive to bring, but I wanted to bring them, you know, because, you know, I didn't want to have some shitty local Swiss comedians (laughs) (laughs) and everybody, I mean, we all laughed. Of course it was hilarious. And, uh, yeah, so, and it's true looking back now, of course I wanted to perform that night, even for just five minutes. Um, but after also seeing those other comedians, I'm like, I didn't know. Actually, they did me a favor. By not putting me up, because those comedians are, there's certain levels of difference. I'm funny, and I'm sure I could have made that crowd laugh, mm-hmm. but if I came after any of those other comedians, they have 20 years experience. Yeah. They are killers. They are amazing. And still, Louis C.K. was 10 times even better than that, but I'm not close to any of them. So actually, they at the end of the day, they did me a favor by saying no we have our opening acts you shouldn't do this so i was happy with that as well so it's it's totally fine and
0: um yeah i can't imagine the pressure of a gig like that
1: of course i've been in front of uh, more than a thousand people once before and that was for like a uh, an event uh, at theater 11 actually right over here but it was an amazing feeling of course to be in front of that many people yeah. Yeah. Uh so yeah, that show was was quite interesting and uh it was great to, it was great to see somebody like that up close live and um well, he actually had a he came up with some Switzerland jokes as well, mm-hmm. which I loved. He had a couple of Swiss jokes, and one of them was so good it made it into a special that he released. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it's a joke about. Uh, it's a very simple joke, and he did it that night, first time. And he said, uh, "You know, I've been hearing your country. It's a beautiful place." And he, you know, did some other stuff about how. You know, everybody here is very like small and compact, yeah. like the men are very like, you know. <laughs> anyway, but he got to this joke. He said, what I noticed here, like you guys have these, um, the garbage can isn't just one garbage. There's like four different things. And one of the first one is like, it looks like something like a cop. And uh, the other one is like uh, another sort of cop. And um, and I'm just standing there with a dead baby in my hand, <laughs> going, "Is this a cup?" I'm like that's that's the joke. <laughs> and it was it killed uh, at night twice, and uh, it made it to a special. So that was uh, a as a weirdly interesting, great feeling for me because you know, obviously before his allegations as well, he was one of the people that did inspire me to get into comedy. I mean, I obviously loved comedy as an audience member, as I said from. Jerry Seinfeld and all these different people but Louis CK was the first act where I listened and I said I really want to do this mm-hmm. this inspired me in that way so for me it was also surreal to not only have him on my show not only meet him but then like when I watched the special later to see, see and hear that Switzerland joke and I was like wow yeah. like I don't know that, that had a profound effect on me of like this is interesting what I managed to create here yeah. Uh, So that was a that was a big uh, you know happy moment.
0: Yeah, classic. Yeah, he's he's another guy who does an hour, releases it on a special, and works on a whole new hour again. Yeah, because uh, Jerry Seinfeld isn't that way at all. No, I I saw Seinfeld twice live. Yeah, once in two thousand twelve in Vegas. Yeah, and in two years ago. In New York, yeah, and it was almost the same. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm I'm so happy that he released his Netflix special. yes, like a few months ago. I'm so happy that he's finally. Working on new stuff now, <laughs> so I can see him again some someday. No,
1: I, so that's that's a very interesting thing because Seinfeld definitely is more of an old school comedian, mm-hmm. and for these old school comedians, he always considers it as you know if somebody's coming out to see me. Yeah. If you go out to see the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. You don't want to hear so much of the news. Sh- you want to hear the, the greatest hits, hits yeah. right? The hits. That's that's his mentality, yeah. and it comes from an older school time where you know mainstream media was there, TV was the main thing, and live performances were that. You know, yeah. there was no other way to see his like DVDs even didn't exist when he yeah. was maturing. Whereas when we hit this, you know, hit the two thousands. Many comedians realize, oh, I have to come up with new stuff. When you release a special, everybody's seen it. Like, your fans have seen it. And those people have turned into the most prolific people as well. Bill Burr is like that. Mm -hmm. They always release... I mean, Louis C.K. was extra prolific in that he, for a couple of years, they released a special every year, Mm -hmm. which is extremely hard. Bill Burr does it every year and a half. Mm. And, um, sorry... So, so it's definitely a different way of of approaching it, and I think that's the way it's going because everything is a bit more expendable now. Everything just with you know all of our devices, and, yeah, it's
0: quicker. Uh, everything it's yeah. consumable. Yep, yeah.
1: it's consumable, and then it's you're finished with consuming it, okay. and you want something new, and uh, yeah, that's what. So comedians have definitely turned into more, and that's true. I've heard from many comedians. I heard Jim Jeffries talk about this of like you know a lot of young comedians think it's just about quality it's also about quantity mm-hmm. so you have to have quantity and quality <laughs> yeah. so it so it makes sense you know um and for me it's even hard at our you know shows in switzerland where we don't have so many people coming again and again mm-hmm. it's you know on a given night 40 percent of the crowd have been to one of our shows before Yeah, but not like every week they've been maybe once or twice before or whatever and Still, I I try to make sure there's something new for everybody every night. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's like, it's weirdly one of my irrational fears of like, I'm just, uh, I'm going to turn into that guy who the crowd is secretly going, ah, is he doing this joke again? Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) And uh, yeah, comedy is based on surprise. So you can only get surprised really once by the same thing.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's hard. But how many stand-up shows are there really for for comedians to work out in Zurich? Not not that
1: much. Not so much. So that's why over the summer our Tuesday and Thursday Kontiki comedy shows mm-hmm. those are open mics, and that and we always have you know ten something comedians and I everybody always,
0: does five minutes.
1: Everybody does five minutes, and that has turned into our gym. That's mm-hmm. where we work out jokes. Okay. That's where everybody goes in mm-hmm. new material. Let's try out stuff. Let's see how it works, and then when we have a bigger gig or a bigger paid gig, then you, you know, you there's different shows, different levels of shows. You work it up, and uh, yeah. So that's at the moment. Those there's those ones, and and honestly, there's more comedy happening. They're, they're
0: going. They're going still on now. Yes, yes. They're still going on,
1: and uh, we're a bit little, you know lighter attended, but mm-hmm. that's also fine for an open mic. Yeah. Because that's a easier fail if it's in front of fifteen mm. people yeah. as opposed to fifty.
0: And um, how do you how um, can can people get on that? Just come in and write their name down. So what we do is we just let people sign up over Facebook, and there's no selection
1: process. Mm-hmm. I say that every time. Mm-hmm. I say that after an act does badly, yeah. <laughs> I go on stage and I go, "Ladies and gentlemen, as you can see, we have no it. selection yeah. process here." Anybody can do it. All you need to have is like a name, and (laughs) you go on the uh, Facebook event. We generally do this stuff over Facebook, and you just sign up there, Mm -hmm. and you just write spot, and then you get a spot for five minutes, and you uh, you know you try to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) close.
1: And uh, but
0: just is this just stand up? Just we generally do just stand up. I mean, there's singers and jugglers, and no, uh, we don't
1: have any of them. We've had couple times i've had magicians Mm -hmm. but they've also had very comedic acts where Mm -hmm. they had jokes built in and they could do it in a short amount of time Mm. which is also difficult for uh, magicians or honestly any other real like live performance thing it's hard to do something in five minutes Mm -hmm. so stand up is perfect for that and it's perfect to do five minutes as well because your whole job is editing Mm -hmm. so your whole job is how do i put all this stuff into five minutes because you know a great comedian can make an incredible impression in five minutes. No problem. Yeah. Like he can destroy a crowd in five yeah. minutes, he or she. So, yeah, yeah, um, so yeah, that's, that's where we work out our jokes. That that's where we try out everything and uh, see what works, what lands and doesn't land. You know? And you host every night? Yes. I, so I do the shows that I organize. I always host. Which is great for me because uh, I get to. I love being spontaneous with the crowd. So every night I get 15 minutes mm-hmm. to just try and be spontaneous. And that's one of the parts that I love a lot about it, which is, yeah, that spontaneous vibe, meeting different people. And that's the thing that always keeps it fresh for me. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I still do my material like everybody else and work on that because that's just. You just have to do that to to get better, but yeah, that's so. But I that's still every do, Tuesday night, every Tuesday and Thursday now. Okay. But we, we started off as just Tuesdays, and yeah, now it's getting a bit more, uh, bit more often. But I do other people's shows too. Whatever I can get, I do a lot of um, like corporate gigs mm-hmm. uh, because those are always nice. I mean, this last uh, winter. I did uh, one for like Lufthansa mm-hmm. and I did one for a bank in Liechtenstein. Yeah. And uh, those are always very interesting experiences too. And um, Maybe we meet sometime. I do
0: a lot of corporate gigs as well. Yeah, yeah.
1: sure. I yeah. mean, you know, corporate gigs are always, they're never the place to like have fun. It's a job. You mm-hmm. go there and it's very much like, you know, I, when, I, when I go to any of these uh, corporate events, I'm very serious. <laughs> I talk in like extensively to my person the contact person at the company i talk to them extensively i tell them like there's many rules you know i tell them (laughs) you have to tell them this is happening because everybody Uh, thinks comedy is a good surprise it's not if somebody's (laughs) like hey it's a christmas party we're gonna dance and drink and have fun and they go yep we got comedy Um, that's never a good (laughs) surprise people don't like to be surprised i don't know why they don't like Mm -hmm. to be surprised by comedy so i always tell them you have to send out an email to mm-hmm. every everybody has to know yeah. that this is going to happen so they're prepared. And then that's already like a big part of it. Is that they know it's going to happen yep. and they you know they're prepared on. But then what I'll also do is I'll generally try to like um, get insider info about the company or what's mm-hmm. happening in the company. Mm-hmm. Did somebody get fired? Did somebody get hired? Who's the boss? Who's the office joker, you yeah. know? And these are all things that maybe I'll reference during the show or sometimes if I interact with them. It's something like, it's like a magic trick I yeah. can pull out and be yeah. like, hey, I know about this. You didn't think I knew, but I know yeah. now, you know, I think one I did for this um, uh, tattoo shop called Jiahi. Mm-hmm. They're like a little chain shop here in, uh, in Switzerland. And um, I did one there, and the and the contact person told me that somebody was actually got fired, but they were still there at the Christmas party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, when I was interacting with with them later, uh, one of these guys was, he was kind of heckling me, you know. And this was like this was at the very beginning. Everybody was drunk. I had no idea it was yeah. going to be like that. Everybody was drunk. It's a tattoo shop, of course. So every like I think I'm extreme and marginal because i'm a comedian but like everybody has face tattoos yeah, yeah. <laughs> and hoops in their ears and they were heckling me a little bit too and this guy was and i asked him what his name was and he told me and i was like there oh. you go that's the, and i was like didn't you get fired yeah. <laughs> and everybody, sw- everybody got behind me there because they were like look at this you know this you know uh, so that's always a good idea to have those things in mind just in case maybe it'll help and uh, you can pull it out when you need it um
0: they have a lot of hecklers in switzerland
1: Not so much. Once in a while. Very once in a while, there'll be somebody who's extra drunk or honestly, generally, it's like, uh, I feel like women do it more often. (laughs) Sure. Single women do. Really? Yeah. Single women. Oh, ladies night out. I'm with my, you know, I'm with my girls. We're drinking (laughs) martinis. They will do it a bit more often, Mm -hmm. but there's been many guys doing it too who are drunk or you know, once in a while, if you do a joke that's very bad or offensive as well, you will. I did um, this was uh, when? Back in uh, beginning of March, before the lockdown. Uh, You know, uh, I'm a big basketball fan and Kobe Bryant, uh, you know, he died. And it was the day after. So Monday he died and Tuesday was a contiki. Mm -hmm. So I did some Kobe Bryant jokes. And, uh, you know, I'm a basketball fan. I loved Kobe Bryant. But at the same time, you know, this is my art. And I am going to find something funny about this. That's what, you know, that's really the truest form of comedy is making something that's not funny, mm-hmm. something that's sometimes even close to t- tragedy. How do you find something funny about that? And of course, when it's a sensitive topic, you know, I did some tasteless jokes about it too. <laughs> and somebody yelled out in the audience and like, how dare you do these jokes? Yeah. How can you say this thing? You know, uh, these things. And uh, uh, you know, I told him to shut up. <laughs> 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 and uh, you know so once in a while you'll get something like that. But that's all of that stuff is a little bit of a learning experience to go like, okay, I did a uh, antisocial joke about Kobe Bryant dying mm-hmm. the day after he died. How do I get out of this now? How do I make this okay? And um, and you find out over, like, I'll tell you how the the jokes were. Um, I'll tell you like the, the the tasteless ones I did that night. Uh-huh. I'll tell you those. And I'll tell you the joke I do now, okay? okay? So I would start in both, both sides, I start with the same thing. I'll go like, you know, I used to play basketball. I actually used to play professionally in an Indian women's league, right? The competition was fierce. I'll start off with that because that's making fun of myself. Uh-huh. And then in the tasteless version, I would go and say, you know, Kobe died and, uh, you know, so sad, blah, blah, blah. And I'll go like, you know, uh, Kobe was actually born a a Laker, but he died a blazer. (laughs) I had a joke about, you know, uh, you know, his daughter died in the helicopter and I was like, well, that's what you get for helicopter parenting. (laughs) And the one that really killed it because these got laughs you know Mm -hmm. they got gasps and laughs and the last one i did i think that was a bit too much uh it was also a basketball reference do you know what an and one means in basketball that's when you uh that's when you score but you get fouled at the same time so you go to the free throw line for an extra shot so extra one and one Mm -hmm. right And that's like a good move in basketball so i said you know his daughter died as well and i'm like kobe look look how legendary he is even in his death he got an and one Mm. (laughs) so that was the one where the guy stood up and he was like how can you you are literally making fun of somebody's daughter dying and blah 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 and i was like you know i i looked him up and down and he was this you know short fat british guy called nigel who worked at the museum like i had met him (laughs) that night a little bit and I was like, you know, you don't even play basketball. What the hell are you talking yeah. about? Like you have no, you don't even know who Kobe is. Like I watched his stuff and yeah, I did a joke about it. But anyway, so that's what it was. Those were the tasteless yeah. things. Now what I do now after the, you know, Indians Women woman league thing, I'll, I'll start with, um, uh, and this really happened. One of my friends, we were talking when Kobe died and he was like, oh my God, like this just reminds everybody how fragile life is. And like, it doesn't matter who you are. This can happen to you, you know? And I was like, dude, he he died in a helicopter. That is never going to happen to you, yeah. okay? <laughs> like, do you know how amazing Kobe was? He would, the reason he was taking a helicopter, he would take it every day to get over LA traffic. That's yeah. how amazing his life was. Like, don't worry about that. Don't worry about shit in the air. Yeah. Worry about stuff on the ground, like a bus or a tram or heart disease or something. <laughs> but see, and now I've turned it into a way where it's a logical thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not like being tasteless about you know i'm not being necessarily offensive i'm just making a point that's yeah. actually true and that makes it funny so mm. that's how you change a joke that was the first time i did it and i took it that way but now after these amount of months i've turned it into that you know mm. so that's how you work around stuff all no, it's the time a,
0: it's an ongoing revolution uh, evolution evolution yeah 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 it's it, it's interesting i did i did um I had a, a thank you event for all my partners and customers and, and stuff, and I did like three minutes there. Really? I wrote some <laughs> DJ <laughs> jokes and stuff. How did it go? Uh, yeah, it, it, it was all right. I think <laughs> it was all right because <laughs> the people knew me. Sure. So they, sure. maybe they left with f- f- stand.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> but that's so. Let me ask you. I haven't asked you. We've been talking for a while. So, where is your interest in comedy, like you've just been a comedy fan, mm-hmm. have you have you ever thought about you know actually trying it?
0: Yeah. Sure. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, I, I just see all the people who, uh, who is doing it. Yeah. And I think mm, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not that, I'm not that good. I don't have a, a special voice. I don't have a special look or, or something. So, you know it's, it's, you know, it's too hard. Well, it, that's also what's interesting about comedy is that,
1: uh, I mean, I mentioned before that, like, you know, Louis C.K. was one of the comedians who really pushed me to be like, I want to be like that. But at the same time, those amazing comedians never inspired me to do comedy necessarily Mm -hmm. because i thought this is impossible these guys are just geniuses or they're talented or whatever it is and it's i'm not that person it's actually when i went to an open mic for the first time and i saw other open micers i was like i am better than that Mm -hmm. guy i can if he is doing it i think i can do it and that was always my like that that's the inspiration behind it more it's like you go i if he can
0: do it i think i can do it yeah that's true Maybe I do, maybe I can buy a Contiki. So yeah, maybe you come buy a Contiki. <laughs> I, I do my f- three minutes of DJ stuff. And f- yeah, And it's all Kobe jokes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because the, the whole DJ thing, it lends itself to, to a lot of material, I think. Of course, you must have some crazy stories from yeah. being. A, how long have you been a professional
1: DJ? Like
0: you yeah, said, like the more than ten years. More
1: than ten yeah. years.
0: You must have some crazy stories. From that yeah, time. I have. But I think is it is it relatable to who to people who are not in the business, who are mm-hmm. not DJs, not mu- musicians and stuff. So I think that's a little the, the problematic from it, you know, because they can't relate when when people uh drunken people come to make re- requests and yeah. say funny shit and do crazy stuff at my yeah. behind the DJ desk and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I don't know if that's uh, hard. Do you want another uh water?
1: Oh no. I was just uh, I was belching so I oh, wanted wow. to not do it on <laughs> mic. Okay. <laughs> that's nice. Or is this a burp friendly <laughs> podcast? <laughs>
0: yeah. <You know, laughs> let everything out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, I see, man. Well, you'll never know until you try it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah.
0: Maybe, maybe, maybe. I still have it. You still should, have it. I should give it a try for sure. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's how it is with comedy now in uh, in Switzerland as well. Um, uh, I always feel very grateful to to not only live in Switzerland but to be able to do comedy here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's very rewarding, and uh, it's I'm happy doing yeah. this.
0: How many? How many people are coming out to to the open mic, like like to perform? To perform uh, every night, full like ten. Yes, ten every performers? night
1: is full. That's also that oh, really? was also one of the reasons why I made it. It was just Tuesday for yeah. the longest time. We would do once a month Tuesday, and then we said let's do this every second week, and then that turned into let's do it every single week, mm. and then that turned into recently let's do it twice a week yeah. because the comedians are there for every night for generally for Tuesdays. I always have to say no to some people because then we had these nights where there was, you know, 16 people and then it's ridiculous for everybody. It's uncomfortable. So, uh, I limited it now to 10 Mm -hmm. and everybody gets five minutes and I'm very strict with that stuff. So the show keeps moving, but comedians are there. I mean, even for tomorrow's show, I think I, I said no to like eight eight people Mm -hmm. and this way they can move around, spread out over the different shows and, uh, because they want to do it too. And, uh, That is what's beautiful is our our community of comedians Mm -hmm. is very nice in the sense of our scene is exactly at the size where everybody loves each other. Mm -hmm. There's no weird drama or there's no pettiness. You know what I mean? Everybody more or less likes each other and we're all together and uh, everybody just enjoys doing comedy. That's
0: cool. How many many new people are, are coming up? that's also not like bad on, Th- on on each show uh, on each show I try to give uh, so
1: this is how I select people I always try to give people who do it very seriously time and also people who are doing it for the first time because mm-hmm. they need a chance mm-hmm. uh, so I'll try if somebody's like let's say once again tomorrow's show there's two people who are brand new okay. never done it before yeah. and um, that's always fun too because it's a different energy for mm-hmm. the crowd too It's interesting. nobody knows where yeah. this is going to go you know <laughs> so it's fun for them too so we always get new people but it's all always about getting to those people who get addicted mm-hmm. do you know what i mean because a lot of us in the scene are addicted to doing comedy and that's why we do it so much and people like that don't come around too often but at the same time we do have a big uh definitely a big spectrum mm. of i'd say at least 40 okay, 40 something oh, people. Nice, eh? And uh, all around Switzerland, too, there's other people in, uh, you know, in Geneva and mm-hmm. Basel and everywhere.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, yeah, yeah. So there's a, there's a little bit of them, definitely.
0: Oh. Nice. When, you are, when are you playing the next
1: American stand-up show? So we're planning to do that in September uh-huh. and start it up from there. Do I'm you have a date? Uh, yes, uh, I'm doing it September 8th, actually. Okay. And Where? I'm going to do at Stahlzex once again. Cool and that's where we do our stuff and uh, yeah other shows we do a lot of we're doing a lot of open air shows these days mm-hmm. as well actually one of them is right around here sector 11 you know where that oh, is yeah sure yeah the old uh, o- oxa oxa yeah oxa yeah, yeah. and we do a uh, yeah we uh, we do open air shows there and other places too yeah so we we have a brand that's called comedy night zurich mm-hmm. uh, that's where all these like open micy kind of shows are at and those are all just in zurich and then there's the American stand-up show that tours around Switzerland in at least five cities. I've been also to everywhere basically. I've been to eight different cities, mm-hmm. but out of those, I've I've selected now these five, which is Zurich, Bern, Basel, Luzern, and Zug. We always do them as a thing. But yeah, that's the American nice. stand-up show on uh, everywhere.
0: Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. I gotta come by. at siki yes. and check check to open my account. Please do check it out, and maybe I do five minutes well i'll be looking for (laughs) i'll be be laughing at the dj jokes (laughs) 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 so thank you so much for for coming by of course thank you for having me on um and yeah please uh to listeners out there
1: please uh please follow my my own stuff ahmed bilge comedy i'm on instagram facebook
0: everything all the links in the description below perfect so follow everything follow my podcast Yes, this was a great podcast, Patrick. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks it for was talking. a pleasure. Thank <laughs> you very much. And have a good summer, everybody. Also, ciao miteinander. Ciao. Ciao. So, fertig. <fix> sind so, fertig geschnorriert, der dumme DJ. Der Mensch ist auch so ein dumme Brali. Du, auch wenn du den Applaus gehabt hast, kannst du nächstes Mal wieder hören. Du hast gleich mal schnell abonnieren den Podcast und auf iTunes. Kannst einen Fall. Kannst einen Fall fünf Sterne geben. Fünf Sterne, die musst du gehen. Und kannst noch eine Rezession schreiben, gell? Also, schöne Hände, die gell? Tschüss.